Now get it straight. This is one of those gospels. This is one of those gospels in which Jesus challenges us and he goes over the top. Now you figure in the gospels, Luke places this teaching right after the four Beatitudes and woes, different than Matthew's eight Beatitudes. So we're going to listen to Jesus as he says this. And we know it's timely. It's so appropriately timed by our calendar and our world events that he aggravates us even more. He's going over the top. First of all, let's get a background going here. The first reading is in the theme of Jesus' teaching. Short story, David was anointed to be king of Israel. There was already a king of Israel, Saul. Saul was not doing a good job. So God inspired Samuel to go to David and anoint him as king. He was young, he was a kid. You remember David from the story of Goliath. Remember, Goliath was a member of the Philistines. He was threatening the people of Israel. He's a giant. And he challenged the people of Israel, come out and fight me. And, I'll, and whoever I beat, whoever wins, will win the war, basically. So Saul knows David. He's a kid. And as a matter of fact, he plays a harp. And he used to relax Saul during his moments of depression. This is, this is authentic. Saul was a depressive personality, probably bipolar. And when he was down in the dumps, little David would come in and play the harp and soothe him. So he knew, he knew the kid. And now the kid has been anointed by Samuel to be his replacement. He doesn't know this yet, but he realizes this kid's a threat. However, this naive child, David, sees Goliath and says to himself, I'll take up the challenge. You know, kids do that. Kids are naive. They're, they're, they think they're invisible. And you and I were in that position one day. Kids can do anything. They have extraordinary courage at times. So David knew how he took care of his sheep in the meadow. If a fox or a wolf was coming, he'd get a slingshot and throw a stone and either hit the animal or scare it away. So he tells King Saul, I I I'll fight him. And Saul is so impressed with this kid that eventually becomes his nemesis, his enemy, that he gives him his own armor. So he puts his armor on the kid, and you can just visualize this. The armor falls off because it's too big. 
he's a little imp. He's a maybe 14, 15-year-old kid. He goes out. Philistines send out Goliath. He gets his little stone, slingshot, hits Goliath on the head. He's dead and goes up to Goliath and chops off his head. He's the hero. Good news, bad news. Got to be careful of those who praise you because when you turn around, they might stab you in the back. Well, that's a good example with Saul. Saul is threatened by this David because he becomes very popular. The people want him. As he's growing up, people want him to lead them. So now David becomes Saul's enemy. And that's where we pick up today's reading. Just, I think sometimes the background is important. So Saul is sleeping in his camp, and across the way is David's camp. And David's sneaking into Saul's camp just to see what damage he could do. You know, he's like subterfuge in little guerrilla warfare. And he sees Saul sleeping, and his sword is right next to him. Now, think of the enemy. You know, what would you do? Times of warfare, my life or his. David is anointed by God to do God's will, not David's will. He takes the sword, goes back home, and from across the ridge shouts out, Yo, Saul, look what I have. Saul knew that the sword was next to him. Saul knew that David could have used that sword and chopped off his head. Or, as his associate said, stick him in the ground, put the sword right through him and glue him to the ground. And David did not do that. David said, I'm not going to hurt one of God's anointed. He was still anointed king, even though he was a bad king, because there's, no, there's nothing good that can come out of that. That's the lesson Jesus picks up on. That's the lesson Jesus picks up on today when he comes down and continues his Beatitudes in Luke's version and hits us right square in the belly. What does he say? Very plain, very simply. Love your enemies. And he's very clear on it. It's not like be nice to your enemies, send them a Valentine card, be good to your enemies, love your enemies. And then he gives all those examples to go further, go over the top in loving them, forgiving them, praying for them, giving when they ask. And that, I don't know about you, but that aggravates me because it puts us on the spot. Are we members of the body of Christ or not? Are we going to take Jesus as our Messiah and Lord or a nice philosopher and pick like a menu, you know, some from column A and some from column B? Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus gives us the whole menu. And the whole menu is love your enemies as you love yourself. Do to others as you want them to do to you. I don't think I have any enemies. I might, but I don't know, you know. Some people don't like you, but that's not necessarily an enemy. I don't think, even growing up, I had enemies. Probably have had people who were envious of me, 
because I'm a little on the show-off side, so you, when you stand out like that, you get, you know, you're a target. And it hasn't been bad for me, but it may have engendered enemy ideas against me. Think about it. Is there anybody who really hates you? That you really have an enemy? So maybe if we don't personalize it today, but look at it globally today, it'll make sense. Wouldn't it be great and miraculous if Jesus would speak to the leaders of Russia and the Ukraine today, this date, and say, love your enemies, do good to each other, don't send bombs across each other's boundaries. I mean, talk about being practical. Jesus knows how to bring peace there into that Eastern European area of the world. Jesus knows the ramifications of no peace there. The whole world knows the ramifications of it. We're not going there yet. We're going underneath. Saying in our own lives, Jesus is telling us to love one another, do good to those who hate us, do good to those who hurt us. Well, it's right there. Do the world leaders not read this? They know it. The Russian Orthodox, the Catholic Orthodox, the Catholic Ukrainians, they, they, they know this scripture, and you and I know it too. They could read it as easily as you can read it. And they could put down their arms and talk and negotiate. But we are at war with Satan, don't forget. The church and every Christian in the church is constantly in battle against evil, against Satan. And Satan gets into the hearts of people and ruins them. That second reading from Paul is very important for us. He talks about the first man. My cousin from South Jersey called up the other day. Her name is Carmela. She's into her 90s and she's as spry as anything. As a matter of fact, she's in Florida right now as we speak. And she said, Lewis, they call me Lewis down there. Hey, Lewis, I have this cross I've worn for a long time. It's a crucifix. It's Jesus. And I just realized what's on the bottom of the crucifix. And I want to make sure I'm not doing anything pagan and not wearing anything pagan. I said, well, what, what, what can it be? She said, well, it's the body of Jesus on the cross. And underneath the cross on the bottom is a skull and bones. That strikes me as being satanic. I said, Sunday, it's today, when you go to church, listen to the second reading. That's what it's all about. And you heard it, and as well as I did. It represents Adam, the skull, as the first man born in the flesh. At the foot of the cross, on the cross is Jesus, the second man, 
born in the flesh and spirit. Jesus conquered death. So, looking at Adam as the first man, we realize he is flesh, as the scriptures tell us, thinking of what we're talking about, the leaders of world nations, they're in the flesh. But they're also invited to be in the spirit, as we are. So, when Jesus says to us, love your enemies, he's not saying, you know, you particularly love your enemies. No, he's saying, you, the baptized Christian, love your enemies. Because you and I are born of the flesh and the spirit. Jesus is not doing a publicity act here. Jesus is getting to the heart of his teachings. Saul and David gave us an idea of what that could be like, sparing the life of your enemy. Jesus takes it far broader than that. When he says, not only love your enemies, do good for them. Take care of them, feed them. Give them your clothing if they need it. And when they slap you, turn your cheek. That's kind of challenging. In modern times, we have Maximilian Kolbe, who did that in a Nazi prison camp. And throughout life, we have other saints who've done that. Mother Teresa, oh no, Mother Teresa had no enemies. She had a lot of enemies. She had people who did not want her to continue her ministry to the lepers and the poor. Mother Seton, a lot of enemies. A New York girl who becomes the founder of the Sisters of Charity. Mother Cabrini, buried here in Manhattan. A lot of enemies. Oh, they did good. You and I know about the good, but they had a lot of enemies, people who, who wanted them to fail, some of them in their own order. See how the, the word of God is so challenging? He goes over the top. He doesn't go over the top only in scripture for the holy people. He goes over the top for all of us who are members of his body. And he's asking all of us to love our enemies. If you love the people who love you, thank God. But they love you back. Loving your enemy, quite a challenge. He goes over the top in aggravating us. But he ties something into it that brings it all to a conclusion. Go back to Carmelo's crucifix. The new man, Jesus, who conquered death and rose from the dead and has a place of eternal life set for you and me if we follow him. And the life of eternity doesn't begin when you close your eyes in death. It starts right now. It starts now as we love one another, forgive our enemies, do good to those who hurt us, give water in the name of God, give clothing in the name of Jesus. That's where eternal life begins.
He says, you are children of the Most High. And he takes care of the wicked and the good. So who do you think you are in not loving your neighbors as Jesus has taught us? Let's pray for Ukraine and Russia, Eastern Europe, and our whole world that one day these words will be emblazoned on the flag of every nation. Love your enemies. Do good. Treat others as you want them to treat you. Thank you.